Hello, 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 and welcome in. This is High Notes Nashville Sports. I'm your host, Garrett Pave. So excited to be with you guys on High Notes Nashville Sports. This is the first ever episode of High Notes Nashville Sports. So I'm sure you all are wondering, what is High Notes Nashville Sports? That's a great question. I'm here to tell you all about it. High Notes Nashville Sports is a podcast strictly focused on, you might have guessed it, Nashville sports. I'll be coming to you each and every week on this podcast discussing all the latest Nashville sports news in this wonderful city. I'll be bringing on a new guest pretty much every week to give me some insider information, right? Give you a different voice to hear, a local Nashville native that knows the city well and knows the sports that go on here. A little backstory on me, as I mentioned, my name is Garrett Pave. I am a born and raised resident of Nashville, Tennessee. I am currently a freshman at the University of Missouri studying sports broadcasting and journalism. It has been my lifelong dream to be a sports broadcaster and reporter, and I figured what better way to get started than creating my own podcast based on the sports I am so passionate about, and that is Nashville sports, my hometown. I have lived and breathed all things Nashville sports my entire life, and I am so glad I get to bring it to you guys here on this podcast each and every week. On this podcast, we will cover the Nashville Predators, the Tennessee Titans, the Belmont Bruins, the Vanderbilt Commodores, the Nashville Sounds, Nashville SC, even high school sports in the local Nashville area. You think you know Nashville sports? You will hear it on here. I will bring to you any team you could possibly think about in the Nashville area, all the latest news, information, scores, you want it, we'll have it right here on High Notes Nashville Sports. Again, this is the first episode. I'm going to be running this episode solo. It's going to be a short episode, more of an introduction, but hey, don't worry. We're also going to cover some news in the world of Nashville sports, but each week, each episode will typically run about an hour long. We're going to have a guest star on almost every week, giving me some other information. We'll have some heated debates, heated talks, information on what's going on in the world of Nashville sports. But you know what? I figured I'd get this first episode started by talking about something I really am passionate about, and that's the Nashville Predators. I'm sure a lot of you listening are Nashville sports fans, and I'm sure you all know the struggles that have endured with the Nashville Predators so far this year. Nashville Predators currently sitting at 10-12 and 12 on the season. They are third to last in the division, ahead of only the Dallas Stars and the Detroit Red Wings. Today, it is Tuesday, March 2nd, and the Predators fresh off a 4-2 loss against the Carolina Hurricanes, a short-handed Nashville team without Ryan Ellis, Ryan Johansson, and Luke Coonan all dealing with injuries right now, all out for a several weeks. Nashville looking to figure out some new line combinations, but line combinations have really been the story of this season for Nashville. John Hines has really tried his best to flop around these lineups. Of course, the famous Jofa line, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, has been broken up several times this year. They have tried to mix and match, put two pieces together, but nothing's worked. And the question is, where does this Nashville team go from here? There are some severe struggles right now with this team. They're struggling to score. They're struggling to defend. The goaltending has struggled. Where do you go from here? 
And that's a great question. And I'm here to give my insight on what I think this Nashville team needs to do. Look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I have been a Nashville Predators fan since I was five years old. I have grown up going to games with my uncle, my parents. I have been to more games than I could even count. I have watched this team in their bad stage. I've watched this team in their good stage. I was at multiple playoff games when they were in that magical cup run that fell just short to the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games. But still, getting to go to those games, see the energy of the arena and the fans was unbelievable. And as of recently, it's just been a different feel here in Nashville. This is very much a city that rallies behind the team when they're successful. And when they're not so successful, fans struggle. That is the story right now for the Nashville Predators. Look, like I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. There are some serious issues this organization has to figure it out. Is it John Hines? Is it David Poyle? Is it the players? I don't think any of us really know. David Poyle recently said in an interview, there's only three players for certain that are safe from the trade block. Those are Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and Pecorine. When I first heard that news, I was shocked. Roman Yossi, I understand. But Ryan Ellis, he has been a good defenseman. I won't say great. He's been a good defenseman for this team and for this organization. He's been a great team player. He's been a great leader. But his point production has not been fantastic. This season so far, Ryan Ellis fourth on the team with just nine points. Roman Yossi second on the team with 13 But the real shock here came with the saying of the protection of Pecorine, the 38-year-old veteran who has been with Nashville since he was drafted. This season actually has performed pretty well. Not a great record of 5-7, but the statistics of 2.46 goals against and a 9-1-3 save percentage compared to a UC Soros who has struggled with a 3.10 goals against and a .895 save percentage. So actually Pecorine has significantly outperformed the young UC Soros. But a lot of people question, why would you want to protect a 38-year-old goaltender who's probably not going to be in the league in a couple years? My thought is it's because they want to keep a veteran presence around to groom the next young goaltender for the Nashville Predators. I'm going to be honest. Do I agree with the move? No. But I get it. I understand where David Poyle is coming from. I completely understand Roman Yossi. Look, if you gave up Roman Yossi, you're just flat out dumb. Roman Yossi is the rock of this team. Everything runs through Roman Yossi. We all know that. The success runs through Roman Yossi. He is the only player this season who I have consistently seen with a great attitude game in and game out. Where has that been from the other players? I don't know. Again, there are some serious issues in this organization. I'm not sure if it's John Hines, if it's David Poyle, if it's the players, but something's got to change. This is now the second oldest team in the league coming in at 28 years old as the average age. Four years ago, this was one of the youngest. That's not the case anymore. This is one of the this is one of the oldest. And look, David Poyle loves his players. But to an extent, you have to make a business decision. I think it's time for Poyle to, you know, lift up the hood and go, 
maybe it's time we deal some of our players away and acquire some young talent that's going to give the city, this team, a new burst of energy because they're lacking that right now. Guys like Victor Arvison are just not performing this year. Victor Arvison sitting right now with just eight points in 22 games. I mean, you look at all these young players, they're just not performing. One of the sole bright points this year has been the emergence of the young 22-year-old Ellie Tolvanen. He's only got four points. That's not going to shatter record boards, but it is really a promising sign to see him come in and all of a sudden steadily improve. I was actually at the uh, Predators game on Sunday when they took on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ellie Tolvanen had a goal in that game, a nice snipe from the left side, put it just over Jonas Corposalo's shoulder. Ellie Tolvanen is going to be a great player in this league once he continues to develop. He is very raw. He is a raw talent. He is still trying to find his game. But mark my words, when he does, he is going to be a star. I think he is a player you have to build around as well. Him and Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg, in my opinion, are the three players you have to build this roster around. Again, they're 10-12 and this year. They've played 22 games. Not all hope is lost. But with that being said, Nashville cannot continue to be sedentary and be okay with the way they're performing. If you're coming in and you're performing to the best of your ability, game in and game out, but you're not getting the results, that's one thing. This team comes out, looks unorganized, uninspired, and confused. That is not a recipe for success, and more than anything, that's concerning. When does John Hines or David Poyle go, man, Something is wrong here, right? This Nashville Predators team has all the talent in the world they want on this roster. On paper, they're like a top five team. But then they roll on the ice, and they're a bottom five team. So again, when does David Poyle or John Hines become smacked into reality and go, We cannot continue to be sedentary and watch this team struggle the way they are. I would love to see Nashville make a move at the trade deadline. I would. I would love to see them deal off maybe a Matthias Ekholm, a Victor Arvidsson, one of those guys who, despite me loving them, it's a business decision. You need guys to come in and perform. Ryan Johansson, another name who has just been disappointing since his arrival in Nashville. Of course, he was dealt in a deal with Seth Jones going off to Columbus. Ryan Johansson came in, their first-line center, expecting big things. And each season, he struggled to score 15 goals. This season, he's played in 14 games, just five points, all assists. He has yet to tally a goal. When are we going to see our first-line center emerge as a top-tier talent? It's just not happening. Matt Duchesne is in the same boat. A 30-plus goal scorer in Ottawa has 8 points in 22 games played this season. Only 3 goals. When are we going to see the 30-goal scorer, Matt Duchesne? And if he doesn't show that ever, then you got to make the tough decision. Right now, Nashville currently owns two of the worst contracts in the entire NHL, and it's Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Two significantly overpaid players 
who have yet to perform in their role on this team. Look, they're great guys. But great guys don't always win you hockey games. It reminds me a lot of the Marcus Mariota situation. Marcus Mariota was a great, great guy for the Tennessee Titans. But he wasn't getting the job done. And if he's not getting the job done, you got to make a tough business decision and say, look, man, I'm sorry, but we got to bring in a guy who's going to win us games. Look what happened. John Robinson made the tough decision to give up just a four-year guy in the league in Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. And now look at Ryan Tannehill. He has played the level of Patrick Mahomes with limited talent around him. So give credit to them for changing. I think it's time Nashville does the same. Look, I love this Predators team. I have grown up watching them play. I have been a diehard fan. I've watched every game this season. I have stuck by them. But it's time for a change. Whether that's the players or John Hines or David Poyle, something has to change. They're 10 and 12. It's still early. There is still time to repair this team. I think if you trade for a few essential parts, let John Hines have a normal training camp this year, this team could be something special. They could. But it all starts within the business. I think, honestly, there are some business decisions need to be made before you can move forward with the structure of this roster. I'm not so sure David Poyle is not on his way out. David Poyle currently the longest tenured general manager in the NHL. He has been with the Predators since 1997. No GM has been with their team past the 2000s. David Poyle has been the general manager from the very start. And look, he has done great things. He got a steal in Pecorine, right? He brought in Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg. He has brought in a lot of talent. But right now, the team's struggling. It has been a steady downfall since that cup run just four years ago when they fell short to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We have seen signs of them struggling. And it's hard to talk about struggle without talking about Nashville's horrendous power play and penalty kill. Right now, both of those units sit bottom 10 in the league. The struggle in the power play and penalty kill has been a story not just this season, but for years now, they can't generate offense in the power play, and they cannot play defense in the penalty kill. Those have been by far their two worst units that they've gotten them in games the past three or four years. We've seen it consistently. That's the reason they got knocked down in the first round of the playoffs a couple years ago against the Dallas Stars, because they could not generate offense in the power play. They couldn't. And then you turn around the penalty kill, and you're giving up you know, five goals and eight penalty kills. Where does this Nashville team go? What do they do next? I'm going to give you my insight. Here's what I think Nashville needs to do. And again, I am a Nashville Predators fan till the day I die. But changes need to be made. It's got to start on the business side. There are some pieces in the organization that have to be fixed before you can look at the players. After those moves are made, then you look at the, at the future of this roster. I think there are some players in this roster that have to be dealt if you want to consistently win games going forward. I love the players in this roster. Are all of them built to win? Is this team built to win a cup right now? No. 
this offseason, some questionable acquirees. Of course, David Poyle brought in guys like Eric Halla, Nick Cousins, Luke Coonan, and Brad Richardson. They're all great hustlers. They're going to give you some, you know, a, a few goals here and there. Nick Cousins, actually two goals in this past two games. But are they long-term guys that are going to win you games? No. So a lot of these moves have been very questionable. Can David Poyle turn this around, bring in some young talent, re-energize not only this team, but the fan base? The fan base is lacking for some success right now. Once you get the fan base back into this, oh man, you can really get them going. And I think that is the next step. So look, I think right now Nashville, you got to make some business decisions. But after that, bring in some new young talent. Build your team around the rocks. Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Ellie Tolvanen. And once you do that, then you're starting to look up. I'm not losing hope in this organization. I never will. But I, as a lifelong Predators fan, have to understand changes need to be made if this team's going to be competing in the playoffs in the next coming years. This is not going to be an overnight fix. I actually do a show in Missouri at the University of Missouri on KCOU.FM called Pucking Around with Pave, where I discuss all the latest NHL news. And I said it. I said, this Nashville Predators team is not going to be an overnight fix. Changes need to be made over a course of a couple years for them to get back on track. We as fans cannot get spoiled and expect them to be a dominant force in the next year. It's going to take time. But hey, patience is a virtue, and we have to have that because I promise you, once you get the pieces you need, this team's going to be back where they need to be, and I'm excited to see when they get back on track where this Nashville team would go. Again, I'm not losing hope, but I had to give you my insight on what I think needs to be done if this team is going to be back to the successful team we know making good cup runs. Hey, don't lose hope. This team has a bright future once the changes are made. And I'm excited to see all those play out. And hey, I am going to be here each and every week to give you guys those updates, let you all know what's going on in the world of the Nashville Predators. But I'll move on from the Nashville Predators. I spent enough time. I could talk probably just an hour on the Nashville Predators, but I'm not going to do that. Moving on now to a local college team who has been quite the opposite of the Nashville Predators. That is the Belmont Bruins basketball team sitting at 24-3 and on the season. Man, they have been nothing but absolutely dominant this season. The Belmont Bruins currently the one seed in the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament coming up starting tomorrow, Wednesday, March 3rd. They will take on Southern Illinois Edwardsville in that first round game. The eighth seed in that tournament. This Belmont Bruins team coming off two losses in a row against Eastern Kentucky, 81-67, and Moorhead State, 89-82 in overtime. But it is important to mention those two losses came without their leading scorer, Nick Mazinski, who averages 15.2 points per game. He's a dominant force for that Belmont Bruins team. I'm not sure if you've all been able to catch a Belmont game, but I encourage you all to do so. This is one of the most fun teams to watch in the country. Right now, Jill Lenardi has them sitting as a 13 seed, taking on the Florida State Seminoles, who actually have come off a rough loss to Roy Williams and his University of North Carolina Tar Heels. So I'll be honest. 
If I'm the Florida State Seminoles looking at my bracketology and I see the Belmont Bruins on the other side of that little square, I am not liking that view right now. The Belmont Bruins, in my opinion, could be the next Cinderella team in March Madness. We've seen teams like Loyola Chicago, Florida Gulf Coast make deep runs and shock the world. I think that could be this Belmont team. This Belmont team reminds me so much of the MTSU team from years ago with Giddy Potts. I'm not sure if you all remember, Middle Tennessee State went into the tournament as a 15 seed, taking on the two, ste- the two seed Michigan State Spartans. They came in and led by their three-point shooting from star Giddy Potts, they knocked off the Spartans and moved on to the round of 32. It was a magical moment, really, for the state of Tennessee to see a major team knock off the Michigan State Spartans. I expect the Belmont Bruins to be just like that team. Look, Belmont is not flashy. They don't have a bunch of five stars on their roster. But you know what they do well? They play as a team. They're sound in every facet of the game. Belmont currently averaging 82.1 points a game, giving up just 68.8. They have five guys over 10 points on average per game. Nick Mazinski leads a team with 15.2, followed by Luke Smith with 12.3, Jacoby Wood with 11.9, Ben Shepard 11.1, and Grayson Murphy with 10.6. Again, this Belmont team is not going to roll out, play one-on-one, and beat you. They're going to share the ball. They're going to spread it around. They're going to get production from a lot of different players. And they're going to beat you with good play. They're physical on the inside, but they're also a really good shooting team. They are. They're 34.4% from three-point this year and 49.5% from the field. And they're shooting well, really well from the free throw line, 74.2%. So really sound in all category shooting out-rebounding teams by 15, actually 15 to 14 in the rebound category, and turnovers. Turning the ball over just 11 times a game, averaging 15 turnovers opposing, so they're forcing 15 turnovers. Belmont, you look at their stats, and there's really not much to say that's bad. There's not. They're doing a really good job, and that's what makes them so dangerous this season. Again, if they can get past the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament and get a bid into the March Madness Tournament, mark my words, this will be one of the most dangerous teams in March Madness. They can physically match up with any team they play. Now you might go, Garrett, really? Can they match up with you know Gonzaga and Baylor? Yes, they can. Does that mean they'll beat them? No. But can they match up? Yes. Belmont's greatest success is their poise and confidence. They don't get overwhelmed. They don't argue with each other. They play really well as a team. They're great defensively. They're great offensively. When they have a bad night on one side, they make up for on the other side. There have been games this year where they only score 72 points, but they're only giving up 70, right? Then there's games they're scoring 114 points, and they're still giving up just 62 points. This Belmont team can do it all. It's fun as a Nashville resident to watch this team grow and to see the way they've really taken college basketball by storm. Other teams in the Division I country 
are lucky they're not having to see Belmont in the regular season. Because I'm telling you, they are upset potential every week they play. And it seems like they just continue to get better and better and better. They're really fun to watch. And they're going to be continuing fun to watch. And with the talent they have on this team, once they get back healthy, once they get Mazinski back in the lineup going into the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. The two hardest teams beside them are Murray State and Moorhead State, both teams they've beaten this season. They have a really good chance to sweep through this tournament with really no trouble at all. And of course, if they did that, they punch their ticket to the March Madness Tournament, which would be absolutely huge for this program sitting at 24-3. and I think they will. I think they're going to win the tournament. I think they're going to move on. I think they're going to make some noise. I think whoever draws this team in the first round is in for a very, very rude awakening. Because a lot of times, you're going to look at Belmont, and you're going to overlook them. Oh, they're the small school from Nashville, right? They're the small school. They don't play good basketball over there. That ain't true. I have watched this team play on multiple occasions, and I'm telling you, they're legit. My good friend Kingston Gardner actually goes to Belmont University, has been to a ton of games, almost every home game, and he's told me every week, Garrett, this Belmont team's legit. And this kid knows basketball. He played basketball his whole life. He has watched this team and said they are sound all over the court. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And a lot of teams are going to be surprised when they watch Belmont play on national TV. Again, it's fun to watch this Belmont team play in my home city because you look at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, they've always struggled. They've had a, a few good years in the past, but right now struggling severely at 7-14. and 14. Belmont is the feature basketball team in the city of Nashville. So again, sitting at 24-3, and three, they have a big game coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, March 3rd, against Southern Illinois Edwardsville in the first round of the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. If they can win this tournament, they will punch their ticket to the NCAA March Madness Tournament and look to make some noise. So, hey, good luck to the Belmont Bruins. They've had an unbelievably magical season thus far, and they look to continue that set success led by their star player, Nick Mazinski, and this talented and balanced lineup they've got going. I'm going to move on again to a couple more points before we wrap up. This first episode of High Notes Nashville Sports. Moving on real quick, the Tennessee Titans, a couple offseason news for them. And a couple of points that a lot of fans are curious about. And the name that has been surrounding the Titans is Jadavion Clowney. Will the Titans re-sign the man himself, Jadavion Clowney? This offseason when John Robinson brought in Clowney, there was so much hype. Oh my gosh, the Titans are getting an elite edge rusher who is going to be dominant. Let me tell you right now, spoiler alert, he was anything but dominant. He was the opposite of dominant. He had 14 solo tackles this season with the Titans. He had no sacks. And he had just six quarterback hits. This is a guy who was a top five draft pick to the Houston Texans, who is going to be the star of the future, the next J.J. Watt, and he has been nothing but disappointing. They brought him in on a very, very high contract as a guy they thought could be an elite edge rusher for this Tennessee team, and instead of being elite, he has been quite the opposite. 
So that sparks the question. Do you bring back a guy for high money that had just 14 solo tackles, no sacks, and six quarterback hits? What do you do? Do you bring him in? Let me give you my opinion. In my opinion, no, you don't. I think you move on from Jadavion Clowney. I think you focus on the draft and you get a really good guy in the draft. A couple guys I really, really like in this upcoming draft for the Tennessee Titans are outside linebacker and edge rusher Aziz Ojolari from the University of Georgia and the other guy, Gregory Russo, an edge rusher from the University of Miami. These are two guys with an elite skill set who can get off the edge and rush the quarterback on any given snap. The Titans need that. They are in desperate need of somebody to get pressure on the quarterback. That is what got this team this season going forward into the playoffs. Nashville's, Tennessee's offense was elite, as we all know. Ryan Tannehill had an unbelievable year, led by star running back Derrick Henry, who had over 2,000 yards once again. He was the NFL rushing leader this season and the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, deservedly so. So this Tennessee team, they had the offense, but defensively, they were flat out bad. And you know where the defensive struggle started with? The inability to put pressure on the quarterback. That is what got to this Titans team. And Mike Vrabel knows it. Mike Vrabel is not a stupid guy. He knows the inability to pass rush bit this team in the butt going forward when they played the Baltimore Ravens and lost in that first-round playoff game. So, again, do you bring back Davion Clowney? In my opinion, no. He's too expensive, and he's not worth it. If I'm the Titans, I'm focusing on a guy in Aziz Ojolari or Gregory Russo. I'm going to draft one of those guys. You're going to groom them for the future and continue to build that defense so you already have. Harold Landry, a great young linebacker from Boston College, is getting better. Jeffrey Simmons might be one of the steals of the century. A defensive lineman drafted top 20 for the Titans just a few short years ago has been a force on the interior for this Tennessee Titans team. Build around those guys. Why pay a bunch of money for a guy who has shown he has proven nothing to John Robinson or Mike Vrabel? He's proven nothing. He's been a bust for the Titans. So all these rumors about will they bring him back or not, if I'm John Robinson, I'm saying, sorry, man. Great guy, but you got to go. I think the Titans have better options. There's better options than free agency, Gufter. But I think you got to move on with Jadavion Clowney, draft a young player, and continue to build that young core on defense you already have. The Titans have some work to do this offseason. They do. There is no doubt. You've got your core pieces intact, right? Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. you got guys like Jeffrey Simmons in the defense. Kevin Byatt, who had a very down year looking to bounce back from that this year. The talent's there. Can you put it all together to once again make a deep playoff run like they did a couple years ago? I think there are a couple things you got to do. I think drafting a pass rusher is, of course, your top priority. Then from there, you got to draft an offensive lineman. They absolutely struck out with Isaiah Wilson. There has been no player more disappointing in the NFL than Isaiah Wilson. A first-round draft pick out of the University of Georgia. He's an offensive tackle that was looking to come in and be a big, dominant force. 
and he's been nothing but trouble. Every time we turn the corner, Isaiah Wilson is getting in trouble once again. And that lack of discipline from him has led to him really not being on the team anymore. I think he's another guy that John Robinson is just going to let go. I, I don't think he's worth it. I think he right now in Tennessee is a lost cause. Why bring him back to the organization? He has proven nothing so far that he's going to fix his attitude and become the player we all thought he would be. So again, if I'm John Robinson, what's the pro of bringing him back? He's been lazy. He can't stay out of trouble. And he hasn't given anything to the team. So why keep him? He still has value. If you want to trade now, more than likely they're going to cut him from the team. But let's say you want to deal him off. You could get a valuable price out of Isaiah Wilson. He's a young first-round offensive tackle. And as we know, in the NFL, offensive tackles are hard to come by. He has all the upside in the world. His ceiling is lower than his floor. Is higher than his floor, I should I say. He has all the potential in the world. Can John Robinson deal him? He's probably just going to cut him. But I'd love to see a deal where they ship off Isaiah Wilson and get another young player or even a draft pick. Something to continue to build this offensive line because as we know, Taylor Lewan suffered a torn ACL. We do not know the health of him going into this next year. The Titans short on the depth in terms of their offensive line looking to build pieces around to protect Ryan Tannehill. And for the Titans, really, you've got a good young offensive core. Maybe you bring in a young receiver. I mean, of course, they got rid of Adam Humphreys. You look in the offseason, I don't know, maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, bring in be a slot receiver, give you some weapons for Ryan Tannehill. But otherwise, offensively, you've got the pieces you need. I think the biggest blow offensively was the loss of Arthur Smith. Of course, Arthur Smith got the head coaching job in Atlanta for the Falcons. He was a really big piece of getting the success of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. He was. He was a big part of that success. So now Vrabel's got to find out, how do we adjust to losing Arthur Smith? Luckily for him, he has the same core offense he had under Arthur Smith. He's going to continue to use that core to be successful going in years forward. But the question is, can they compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, like they have in the past couple years? This Titans team, in my opinion, has more upside than they do downside. They've got an offense that shows they can win. Can the defense get back to where they need to be? The first step was hiring a defensive coordinator, and they finally did that. Vrabel was stubborn for the longest time, and he finally did that, which is a very, very good move. They need somebody to focus on the defense, coach just the defense, and not have the distraction of the whole team to worry about. If you get a few right pieces in there, all of a sudden, this goes from being one of the worst defenses to one of the best defenses. I'm telling you, they have positivity in there. Malcolm Butler, still playing at a high level. Kevin Byard, a great player. Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons. You're looking at bringing a potential Jarrell Casey back into the roster if things go as they want to. There's upside. How do they use it? I think this Titans team has some work to do in the offseason, specifically in the draft coming up. But they have a really good base set up. And Vrabel has done one heck of a job so far coaching for the Tennessee Titans. It's been nothing but good. There's good ownership. There's good management. And I think if the Titans can get a few more loose screws in, 
they go back to being a big-time competitor in the AFC going forward in the playoffs. So, Tennessee Titans, a bright future ahead for them. But just like the Predators, there are some pieces you've got to fix before you become a major competitor in the NFL. As for a couple more teams in the Nashville area, of course, the Vanderbilt Commodores struggling right now, 7-14 and on the season. They look to pivot towards football season this year. Of course, the new hiring of the Notre Dame defensive coordinator. There was a huge hire, a former Vanderbilt football player. There is a little bit of hype now around this Vanderbilt team. Clark Lee, of course, brought in from Notre Dame, a huge hire. There, these Vanderbilt fans are happy. Of course, he played football at the University of Vanderbilt. Now the head coach for them looks to get this Vanderbilt team back on a competitive track because as we know, Vanderbilt football has not been good. It has been very, very bad. Clark Lee looking to come in, change the culture of this program, get his guys in there, looking to bring that Notre Dame standard over to Vanderbilt and maybe get a new face of the team going. So we'll see how his offseason shakes out. As for the other teams, it's been pretty quiet. Of course, Lipscomb basketball also in action right now. They're looking to start up their Atlantic Sun tournament soon as we speak. All the conference tournaments coming up this week. Lipscomb basketball right now. The three seed in the tournament taking on Florida Gulf Coast tomorrow, March 3rd at 6 p.m. This is a Lipscomb team once again that if they're going to make the tournament, they're going to have to continue to win and win their tournament. So we'll keep you guys updated how the success of the Lipscomb basketball team goes. Other than that, a pretty quiet time right now in Nashville sports. Nashville SC looking to get going soon. Again, same with the Nashville Sounds. The minor league team looking to start their season up strong. I got a good friend of mine, Connor Owens, looking to join the show potentially next week and talk some good baseball with me. He is currently a freshman at Lipscomb University studying sports broadcasting as well. A big-time Sounds fan. Actually, the bat, the ball boy, for the Nashville Sound, so he is very, very close with this team. He is excited for the season. Going to be good to get baseball back. I'm not going to lie. You see the Sounds back in action. Go catch a game there at First Tennessee Park. First Horizon Park, should I say now. Other than that, though, besides the Nashville Predators and Belmont basketball, it is a quiet time in Nashville sports. But again, I'll be here each week breaking down all the latest news and stories for you guys. Thank you all for joining me again. This has been the first episode of High Notes Nashville Sports. I will be here each week on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, you name it. I will be here giving you the latest news. You can also follow me on Twitter at Garrett Pave. I will be posting my link to my show each and every week. But again, if you all want to join me, hear the latest Nashville news, scores, anything you want Nashville. It'll be right here on High Notes, Nashville Sports. I'll be beginning to bring on guests starting next week. Connor Owens lined up to be my first guest to talk all the latest Nashville news, in specific Nashville Predators and some Lipscomb sports as he goes as a freshman. So thank you all for joining me this week on High Notes, Nashville Sports. I will see you all next week. If you want to check out this episode, go on to Spotify or Anchor, give it a listen, and going forward, same thing, all my episodes we posted there. Thank you all for joining me. Have a great week. Enjoy your Nashville sports action, and I will see you back next week on High Notes Nashville Sports. Thank you all, and take care.